Welcome to the Million Dollar Body Podcast with your host, Nate Palmer. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Million Dollar Body Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Nate, and today we'll be talking about a hypothetical situation. Basically, one of my clients reached out to me the other day and was like, hey, I want to start again. I'm starting from scratch. I haven't worked out in three to four years. What do I need to know to make sure that I'm successful in the beginning? He's like, I've worked out before. I've been fit. I've been in good shape, but now I've got like 60 pounds to lose. I haven't worked out in years. I don't want to hurt myself. I do want to get results. What are the traps that people fall into when starting from scratch? So today we're going to be talking about what kind of mistakes should you avoid making when you're first starting off? What's a great training protocol that you can do first thing to get your body prepared for the programs that you're about to, that you're about to embark on? What kind of diet or nutritional strategies should you avoid and which ones should you embrace in order to get good results and pave the way for some successful fat loss, which is the goal of the, of the program we're talking about here. So if this is you, if this is something that you've ever, you've struggled with, just, just draw me a like, just let, let me know that you're ready to, um, start the process, start getting some good results. I wanna make sure that everyone who can benefit from the, uh, some pretty obvious errors that I've made in the past, I'll tell you a story. Um, one time I was working at a, a big box gym, it was my first, my first gym in 2009, I was working there. And I was handed a client named Carla, and Carla was just like, man, I am just getting back into it. I used to be an athlete, I haven't trained in like eight years. Um, let's, let's get it going. I really want to focus on my legs, my core and my butt. And I am 22, just graduated college, was my first job as a trainer, thought I knew it all, thought I was really smart. So I was like legs, core, but I know where all those body parts are. Let's go. So in our 30 minute session with me and Carla, we did everything. I think we were doing lunges as a superset between every single other set we were doing. So we'd squat and everyone the squats, then she would lunge over and hold a plank position. Then she'd stand back up, she'd lunge back over. Now we're doing front squats. Now she'd lunge back over. We're doing Russian twists and we're lunge back over and now we're doing some RDLs. And so this 30 minute session, we just packed it full of legs, glutes and, and core. And she called me the next day and said, I can't come in for my session because I'm in bed violently ill, I can't move my body, I feel like absolute dog shit. And I was like, oh, this is how I lose my job for the first time, fun. So obviously that was a huge mistake because I just, I thought, oh, she wants to train these body parts, let's train them by obliterating her and absolutely decimating her, her muscle fibers and making sure that she can't move for the next few days. So I don't know if you've ever had that experience before of, really just going so hard. And this will normally happen to you on leg day. And so if you've ever had this happen before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's the first day back. You go hit legs with your buddy who's like, oh, bro, it's not gonna be too bad at all. So you go do legs with him. And then fast forward like 12 hours, it doesn't have to be 24 hours. It's like 12 hours later, you're like, oh, my legs hurt a little bit. And then like 16 hours, you're sitting down on the toilet and then you can't stand back up. And then 24, 48 hours later, you're like, please just kill me because I don't want to get into my car ever again. So if, if you've ever had that experience before, drop me a like, but I, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's that total delayed onset muscle soreness, or in this case, like pretty much instant onset muscle soreness where we've gone too far. We've gone too far. We've done too much. So here's, here's what we'd want to think about 
as you embark on a, a new fitness program, or if you're not starting out brand new, but you actually have been working out for a long time, you also want to make sure that you consider this, that you want your effort to match your ability to recover. You want your effort to match your ability to recover. So even if, even if someone who's been training a long time, I'll use myself as an example, been training a long time, I've done legs for several years in a row. I don't skip leg day, bro. So if I go from my program that I've been doing and kind of working and building up sequentially, and I go into a different program that's like a plyometric like step class, or like a lot of jumps or something like that, where it's just outside of my normal comfort zone, my normal abilities, what's going to happen is I'm going to be stupid, stupid sore, even though I've been training for a long time. It's because it's the, the principle is called SAID, S-A-I-D, specific adaptation to impose demands. It means that if you practice back squatting and you only practice back squatting, and then you go for a five mile jog, you're going to be sore because you haven't practiced that. You haven't recovered. You haven't built up your ability to recover yet. So what's your recover ability. What's your recoverability? That has to do with a lot of different factors. Your age, how much training you have in your, in the, your recent history, um, how much water are you drinking, how high quality is the food you're getting, how much sleep are you getting, are you getting a massages on a, on a weekly basis, are you doing some sort of foam rolling, some self-care self in that way, what's your stress levels like at work, what's your stress levels like at your family, because if you're running on empty, if you're redlining on every other thing in your life, and even if I bring you into like a, an easy workout, working out is a stressor. It's a good stressor, a healthy stressor, but it can be too much if you pile it right on top of everything else. So if you're a fit person, you took, a, you took the five weeks off for the coronavirus um, and you go back to work and you're just, you go back to work and you're stressed, you're stressed at home, you're not sleeping very much. And then you're like, let me just get back into my old routine. Do not do that. You're going to get way, way, way too much, okay? Now, if, you've, if it's the opposite, you've gone back and everything's kind of low-key, you're feeling really good, hakuna matata, lot better option to jump back into something you were doing previously. Keep in mind, you're still going to be sore. The first day on legs or a full body or whatever, first time working out, you're going to be sore. So just take it a little easier. So think about knowing what's your recovery ability. How many points are you putting into that recovery bank between your sleep, supplements, stress, massage, um, healthy foods, water, those sorts of things. Those all go into the bank before you think about taking out from the bank. So if you have no money in your bank and you go to make a big deposit on a nasty leg day, you're going to be messed up. Okay, so don't do that. Don't overshoot your recoverability. And one easy way to make sure that you don't do this is by just going light the first time. If you are ever jumping into a new workout, a new program, a new style of training, or if this is your first time back in the gym in like 10 years, then you don't want to be pushing more than two sets. You're not going to get that much out of your third, fourth, fifth set other than being really, really pissed off tomorrow. So let's say in any workout, essentially, you can improve by 1%. And that's actually pretty substantial. You probably can't even improve by that much, but let's say 1%. So you go put a 15% workout on that. So you've basically way overdone it by 14% because you can only recover 1% and you're only going to improve 1% as well. So there's no point to going and giving yourself like a massive monster day and then doing a yoga session around on top of it and going for a jog your first day back because you're just going to overwhelm your recover recoverability and you're not going to be able to 
get back into the gym to make those incremental steps. I'd much rather have you come in and do like that 1% workout and then do it again tomorrow. That way you're gonna be able to make those consistent improvements without being overwhelmed and then the other thing about that is that if you do so much up front, you start a keto diet, you go running, you're training five times a week. What happens when you plateau in week six? What happens when you plateau? You're going to not have anything else to add into that. You've already, you're already doing the most. When you're doing the most, you can't add more in. I don't want you to go from a four, a four mile jog on a daily basis to a six mile jog. That's not a sustainable way to get the fat loss results we're talking about. Now, if you love running, that's a different story, but if we're talking about fat loss here, starting a new fat loss routine. If you're gonna start off by just doing the most, you don't have anywhere else to go. So start it off slower, take it easy. Your workouts, when your first day back workouts, I'm gonna say this, it shouldn't even be any more than 20 minutes. Your first day back, 20 minutes and done, get out. And you wanna do a little on the treadmill, a little on the elliptical, great. It doesn't matter though, because you're not going to gain any more than that 1%. And right now your baseline is so low that just doing a little bit more, just doing a little bit more stretching physically is not going to help you out. Mentally, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's what you want. Maybe it's what you a little more stretching, a little more core. Mentally it's gonna help you, you're gonna like that. That's fine. Just remember the first day back, 20 minutes, that's it. And if you hit 20 minutes three to five times in your first week back, that's a good start. Now, what shouldn't you do? I would avoid, High rep sets for one. I don't, I'm not say any exercises are completely off limits because for some people might not be able to do lunges because their knees bother them. Some people might be able to be, be able to do deadlifts because their back bothers them. But some people are going to be able to do all those with no pain. So I don't want to say, oh, don't do this or do, or do more of this. But I would say limit your, your top end sets. Make sure you're not doing any more than, than three sets tops of your, of your exercises. And then also I like a kind of a pyramid pyramid set up. So like, let's say you're going to work up to your, your second set of hundred pounds, do your first set at 80 pounds, you know, or even do a first set at 50 pounds, then do your second set at 80 pounds and decide if you want to call it at that point, it's your first workout. It, it honestly doesn't matter. We, the biggest thing about your first week or two of workouts is setting the consistency is being able to get back into it. So my clients are like, well, it's my first day back. What should I do? I'm like, just go take it easy. Just go chill. My program, the Million Dollar Body Program, I'm often accused of going too light at first. People are like, this is too easy. These are body weight movements. My grandma could do them. I'm like, probably not, but that's okay because we're not necessarily looking to make our biggest gains in terms of your training program. Okay. So now where can you start getting those big gains? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Since we're already here, I'll just tell you. Dialing in your nutrition can be a much bigger needle mover than dialing in your exercises up front. And everyone wants it to be the other way around because exercises are easier than the 23 and a half hours of nutrition we have to deal with when we're not exercising. So what should we do from a nutrition standpoint and what should we avoid from a nutrition standpoint if we wanna make sure that we're getting the best result possible and setting ourselves up for success? Well, number one, I would say do not jump into any regular, just diet that you've heard of. So I'm gonna throw keto under the bus. Um, I think vegan, vegan, a vegan diet is not inherently healthier than a meat eating diet. So if someone's like, you should do a vegan diet to lose weight, that should be a red flag for you. If you wanna do a vegan diet because you love the earth and you, and you hate when cows get eaten, great, more power to you. But don't pretend like a vegan diet is healthier, it's not. It's harder to get good results physically and a vegan diet as well, much more challenging. So 
uh, jump into intermittent fasting, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do any of those things to start. I would, all, I would just make sure that the focus would be on seeing if your body is insulin resistant and then doing what you need to do to fix that. Now, what's insulin resistant? Well, that simply means your body does not do a good job at processing carbs and it stores most of them as fat. Your body's not able to take the, the stored fat and burn it off for energy. It's just constantly in this cycle of accumulation and storage because your hormones aren't balanced. And that can be, that's something that's probably um, can be systemic from a life, some lifestyle issues of improperly balanced or imbalanced meals. Um, it can be from a lack of exercise. It can be kind of a combination of the two. But the bottom line is you need to know if you're insulin sensitive or not. And one of the easiest ways to do that, aside from going to a doctor and getting a test, is checking your glycogen efficiency score or GE score. If you want to be able to do that, you can go right now to n8trainingsystems.com slash quiz. And I'll, I'll give you a readout of, of your, um, like your glycogen efficiency score, your GE score, and tell you if you're insulin resistant or not. Um, but, but you want to make sure that you're out of that pattern before you start on any sort of crazy diet protocol, because if you jump into just any old diet and you haven't addressed the insulin resistance or sensitivity issue, what's going to happen is you're going to make that road a lot bumpier, a lot harder, and a lot, take a lot longer. Not to mention that people with insulin resistance have a very, very hard time maintaining a healthy weight. So if you drop weight, you're like, yes, got it. I only wanted to lose 10 pounds anyways. Well, chances are, if you haven't addressed the root cause, what's going on with that, you're going to gain that right back. And that's just the way it is. Like statistics show that 95 or 6% of people gain, regain the weight that they lose on a weekly basis or on a, uh, like when they, after they do a, as any sort of diet. And that's just a, it's kind of a sad fact because the, the fitness industry is a billion dollar industry. The supplement industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. And we're failing. To be totally honest with you, we're failing. And the reason for that is that people are looking for quick fixes and they're not addressing the underlying issues. You know, so anyone can gut through a meal plan for six weeks, get results, but can you maintain that for the rest of your life? Can you maintain that consistency? And so what we're gonna do is we wanna set the stage, and this is very unsexy advice, I, I realize that. We wanna set the stage by creating an environment for your body to actually thrive. So the way we do that is we need to, if, if you are insulin sent, insulin resistant, which many people are, especially you have not worked out in 10 years, what do you do? What do you do to break that cycle? Well, first of all, we need to cut sugar cravings. And a really great way to do that is by going through a, like, like a, I have a sugar detox challenge. It's basically a five-day challenge where four of the days are basically setting your body up in a way to maximize your nutrients, giving you a lot of healthy, nutritious foods that are going to fill in any sort of nutritional gaps and keep you from having a lot of cravings. And then on day five, we fast, 24 hour fast, break those sugar cravings, break, like just go right ahead and just, just kind of cold turkey that for, for, for your a whole day. And it's not that bad. Uh, 24 hour fast is not, it's not terrible and can really yield some really good results. It also is a good way of showing yourself your relationship with food. A lot of times we're like, I'm really bored right now. I just want to go eat. And I, I'm experiencing that a lot with um, working from home. I see, I see that a lot more where I just go into the cupboard or the, the closet. And I'm looking, I'm like, I know I was in here 15 minutes ago, but what's new now? How's that, that uh, dried mango going to taste pretty good. So just so you know, so you got to break your relationship with sugar. You got to break that sweet tooth. So a great way to do that is that 24 hour fast. And if you want more information, make sure you're in the million dollar body group and just, just put in the, in the group there. That's a uh, NA training systems.com slash group. You can join there. Uh, just put in the group. Hey, where's the five day sugar detox? Ask me and I'll, I'll make sure you get a get ability to access that. Number two, you want to make sure that your body is primed for burning fat during the day. So 
the reason we talk about burning fat during the day is because when we are able to actually pull from our fat stores for energy throughout the day is just one step closer to being insulin sensitive, to breaking that insulin resistant cycle, which means now you've trained your body effectively to say, hey, when I'm doing these activities, I need fat. And when I'm doing these activities, we're going to use the carbs that I ate. Um, a lot of, I've had a lot of people recently call my, my glycogen priming system cheater keto because it's basically helping your body become fat adapted, become, helping your body learn to burn fat without giving up your carbs. You can still have pasta, bread, potatoes, you know, because those things are important. Wanna, I, I don't want people to go full keto and then the second they have a bagel, gain 10 pounds. That's, that's really annoying and it doesn't serve us long term. So we're going to lay the base by figuring out how to eat for daily energy. And the biggest thing about this, guys, is breakfast. Breakfast, okay? And, and, then, and we're kind of at a, we're starting from a loss because everyone around us is telling us that oatmeal is a breakfast food, cereals are breakfast food, bagels are breakfast food, donuts are breakfast food. Everything that looks like a breakfast food is all basically dessert. You go to IHOP, they're like, what kind of cake do you want? Sorry, it's pancakes. It's different. You're like, okay, I'll have the whole grain pancakes. By the way, can I get in a, quarter, a quarter cup of raspberry syrup to pour on this? It's dessert, guys. So when we're starting from that, that sort of societal implications about breakfast, it's hard to be like, oh, I should be eating the complete opposite of that, which is a high-protein, high-fat breakfast. Well, what's a, great option? what's a great option for that? Have six eggs in the morning. You probably won't be hungry. You're going to get a lot of food there, and it's going to give you high-protein and high-fat. Do, do I think you should actually have six eggs? No, probably not. It really depends on who you are, how big you are, how much weight you have to lose your energy levels, what you do for the, for living. So, but eggs, avocado, anything like that is going to be a great option to start off your day, give you the energy and signal to your body. Hey, it's time to start burning fat for fuel rather than taking in carbs, burning a little bit off and then storing the rest, which is what happens with that cycle of insulin resistance. Okay. So it's really laying the foundation for us to get good results. So I tell you this because a majority of people will come to a program and say, all right, well, what do I, what's my, what's my pre-workout? What kind of pre-workout should I have? What kind of post-workout? Should I have a shake? What should I do? And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Until you break the cycle of insulin resistance, those things play such a small myopic part in your total goals that it doesn't necessarily matter what you're doing for pre and post-workout until you've gotten to be, the, to be insulin sensitive. And at that point, at that point, we can start doing cool stuff like dialing in your pre and post workout to make sure that you're gaining more muscle and using fat for fuel still. So there's a, there's a definite way to do this that's going to give you the maximum amount of results without stressing out about all these little things. What supplements should I take? Should I have creatine before or after my workout? I heard there was a fat burn that helps me uh, do, do X, Y, and Z. Don't worry about it. Until you've broken the cycle, it doesn't even matter. So basically that's in a nutshell, just let me tell you exactly what we talked about today on this on the podcast. We talked about if you're starting off from the very from the very beginning, or if you're just taking a five six week break and you're just getting back into it, and you want to lose fat. Start with a 20 minute workout. Get build the consistency, build the habit, put in your your calendar and schedule it because doing it five times in a week is going to be better for you than doing it one time for two hours and then being too sore to do anything else. So I'd much rather you do five 20 minute workouts than one 90 minute workout. Much better. Two, from a diet perspective, make sure that if you uh, to find out if you're insulin resistant or not, because it really affects how you go about the next phase. If you're insulin resistant, you can find that out um, at na-trainingsystems.com/quiz. If you're insulin resistant, you're going to need to set up your day in a way that makes sense for your body to start using 
fat for fuel and energy. Lay that foundation for the rest of your life to make it easy to burn fat. If you're not insulin resistant, if you've already, if you've already addressed this issue, then let's start by dialing in those pre and post workout meals. Let's get some more vegetables in there. And let's figure out the days and or the times of day that are best for your carb intake. So other than that, just the biggest thing, if the thing that separates the people who are successful long-term and who are not is the people who are ready, who are willing to go ready, fire, aim, ready, fire, aim. So you started off, just go do something. Was it perfect? Probably not. Will it get better? Definitely. So we always are going to figure out, like, just go start imperfect action. Go, you know, if that means just go hiking, just eat a little bit more vegetables, start there. And we can always build on the successes that you're creating already. So imperfect action is better than perfect inaction every single time. Figure out what moves the needle in your physical, physical fitness, as well as in your nutrition. Dial in that nutrition first, make sure you're getting plenty of water, and then go for those 20-minute workouts. That's If I were starting from scratch, that's exactly what I do. That's the blueprint right there. So if you have any other questions, please don't hesitate to reach out and make sure you subscribe to the Million Dollar Body Podcast. And if you're not already a member of the Million Dollar Body group on Facebook, it's facebook.com or slash, no, just go to natrainingsystems.com slash group to become a member there. All right. I hope you guys have an awesome day. Stay very very sexy out there.